This is the Traxxas Sector Warcast, a podcast about Warhammer 40k Conquest, the living card game from Fantasy Flight Games. Your hosts are Tobin Lopez, John King, and Carl Anderton. Episode 18, Lost in Translation? All right, welcome. This is episode 18 of the Traxxas Sector Warcast. My name is Tobin Lopez. I'm John King. And I'm Carl Anderton. Uh, what do we got going on today, John? Well, it's Halloween weekend and Worlds is just around the corner. We'll talk about what scares us at Worlds. We've noticed an uptick in our streams, and while it might mean that people are listening multiple times... Dude, that crazy. <laughs> we'd like to think that maybe we have some new listeners, so thank you. It is a blast to do this, and we are tickled by our inner chaos demon to realize that people like to listen. And finally, we're coming up on our first anniversary, which is amazing, and we'd like you to be a part of it. For those of you who... Uh, we're going to just do a little reintroduction of ourselves. So, uh, I'm Tobin Lopez. I've been playing games uh, in one form or another, uh, really since I arrived in Fort Collins in 1994. That's where I met John. Uh, we were pl- uh, met John uh, over at a magic table, probably magic, <laughs> some magic yep. playing. Uh, I played VTS for years, up until it went uh, tits up, as it were. And then um, I played magic those early days, like Antiquities, I forget if Unlimited was before Antiquities or not, but... I'm not sure if it's so, um, early, yeah. early days is strong enough for Antiquities, but carry on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, so when you're like, what do, you, what do you mean you opened Legends? <laughs> it's like, I opened Legends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've been playing board games and stuff like that. I play Netrunner. All three of us play Netrunner. Mm-hmm. Uh, John and I played the original Netrunner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's Tobin's fire. actually the original Netrunner first world champion, by the way. Uh, yeah, I do that's have good. that. Uh, There's some props there. honor now, yeah. And he actually <laughs> played on the internet when it wasn't easy. I was going to say, wait, wait, <laughs> yeah. well, this is the first I've heard about this one. Yeah, I'm the first. I'm the first. I was. I participated in Netrunner World Championship in 1998. It was held over. IRC, <laughs> IRC chat. <laughs> Holy cow! For those of you who know what that even means, it's like. Yeah, <laughs> it's like holding a card tournament over chat rooms in DOS. It's basically <laughs> how you might More like a phone party that. line that you used to call in in the 80s. Hey, <laughs> it's calling in the party line. Let's all talk. I was going to say, so what you're telling me here is your world champion of chat roulette. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, so, so for those of you on Octagon, uh, count your blessings, right? If you played <laughs> so the way that we played the World Championship was I had my deck. I sent my deck list to a third person who was the judge. The judge operated as the real-world interaction between somebody. So I would send them a private message to say, I draw a card. and Or I'd, I'd say publicly, I draw a card. The judge would say, you draw this card, because they would physically draw the card for me. A game of Netrunner, one side, would take up to two hours to play. <laughs> so a match would take up to four hours. So we did this. That was a true uh, love of the game world championship. Uh, but yeah, it was it was fun. <laughs> Holy cow! Carl, this you're is, this is with this, this, this is this is Netrun in the Zork edition. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is astonishing. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> that is I, re- I realize now as well that I mean, you know, <laughs> you're in a, you're in a maze full of all twisty all, all, passages. All, I was gonna say all three of us were certain age high. So there's, there's at least some people going what at that point. <laughs> yeah. But really, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy um, crap! You are likely to be thing. eaten by a Gru. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's that's oh, kind of my, my history. I, I work at uh, Colorado State University. 
Uh, I don't live in Fort Collins anymore. I live in Denver. So I'll, every once in a while, I refer to Total Escape Games, which is my local game store. But I also, Hot Game Cafe is also my quote unquote local game store. Yeah. Uh, my name's John King. I've been gaming uh, one form or another. Board games mainly. Uh, it was always a big thing with my family. So from earliest I can remember. And then uh, getting into role playing games probably when I was about 13. Uh, yeah, played Magic with uh, Antiquities and Arabian Nights, Legends. Kind of missed out on Unlimited. Um, so I was always trying to chase those boxes. Uh, like Tobin said, uh, met up here in the mid-90s and kind of been playing card games ever since. And got out of it after a while, um, out of the collectible card game. And then uh, Tobin introduced, said, hey, Netrunner's being released. It's like, okay, yeah, great. Don't know how much how much I'm going to buy. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand this LCG format. You buy it once and you have all the cards. Like, you're kidding me. Really? Uh, so both of us are fathers of two. So that, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense to us. Yeah. It's not, it's nice to, you know, I already got, I already got enough money sinks in my life. I don't have time for a personal <laughs> hobby to, that that's going to suck all the cash out. So yeah. And then played it and was hooked again. And then, uh, Started playing Conquest. Tobin bought me my my uh, pack when he or, or brought me back the core set when he came back from war, the first Gen Con, not first Gen Con, uh, the Gen <laughs> Con in 2014 when yeah when, yeah yeah when, yeah, when it was first got released. So been playing that ever since. Love got, getting into lore more and more, and it's just such a deep sea. I feel right now I'm I'm maybe past the I, I'm past the waiting pool area. Uh, you know, I'm finally getting into some of the deep water and realize it's an abyss. <laughs> all depends on where you want to go, and I can see how people can get get uh, really just pulled in and never let go. Yeah, and there's something to be said for, I mean, somehow we all it sticks, right? Yeah. Somehow it sticks. Like I don't know how, but it, like I've been reading the Horus Heresy, as as you have. I read the first three books, and some of that stuff didn't stick. Like I'm like, who's this character? The guy's using it, the, like, Tarek Torgadon. Like, okay, that's... And, but then there's a then there's a Travis. There was a... Uh, there was another character with whose name began with T. And see, I'm showing that I can't remember those things. Mm-hmm. So my little mnemonics for remembering the characters. Oh, Saul Tarvitz. So I used to get... Yeah, he's pretty cool. Between Tarvitz and Tarek. Right. Torgadon. Yes. So I was like, whoa! Yeah. Well, I mean, but you, otherwise, the, the kind of the events stick. Yeah, the yeah. yeah, the events. Yeah, the events. I mean, um, uh, with Horus Heresy, even had a dramatist person at the start, right, right, they, of, because they, there's they so many do, darn yeah, people they, in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is a good old Shakespearean thing to do. You know? I think it, I think it yeah. sticks because, for the most part, everything is that I've encountered is great, and it's and that's what you remember. You remember the big events, like oh, okay, great. Yeah. Some yeah. of the minor characters, it's kind of like uh, I don't know if there's Game of Thrones fans out there, another LCG, but that one I play. But I mean, I read the Game of Thrones books, and <laughs> there'll be a character that you're, you're spending a whole chapter on like wow how's he gonna play in and then okay. they disappear it's not even die they just disappear or they die off screen it's even better it's kind of like why did I need to read that chapter I mean you know don't get me wrong I love Martin's I love the Game of Thrones stuff but it's like really why did I need to read that yeah. Yeah. There is there is the classic joke on this, and my personal variation, particularly for the Warhammer 40k readers, which is um, Joss Whedon, George R. R. Martin, and Dan Abnett go into a bar and kill everybody you've ever loved. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which is the truth of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, um, I'm Carl Anderton. I'm 
I'm an X Games Workshop employee. I'm, I was mainly and originally a, a wargamer, miniatures and tabletop. And that's how I got into the 40k scene. Both um, being involved in the hobby and um, and work and uh, working my way into the into the company itself for a little while. Um, I was not originally a card gamer, so um, as, and I now work for a game store. So as far as I'm concerned, antiquities is an annoyance in my filing system. <laughs> um, I was suddenly introduced to Netrunner. Um, by a friend of mine who got a copy from Gen Con and was like, this game is fantastic and this system is cool. Delve straight into that. And so when a 40k based system suddenly popped up, it was like, yeah, we need to try to check this out. And Conquest has turned out to be um, shockingly rock solid. Um, I'm about as long-term a gamer as these fellas, just um, starting at a, late, starting at a late, later temporal point, as it were. <laughs> and big role player and you know, yeah. Um, Conquest has been developing along nicely. It's going to be interesting to see where this next cycle gets us rolling into. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, the the possibilities of the the new Tower Warlord that they spoiled oh. that shares the Astro Militarum. We talked about that a little bit. I, I gotta admit that you know? he's the first first Tau that I'm like, wow, I'm gonna play him. <laughs> well, it's it's well because you're an AM guy, right? Right. I mean, both of but both of us tend to be pretty sure, pretty sure him, but hard to be sure. It's, um, it's now I will say that, uh, and you pointed this out off the air after we were done yet l- last time. Mm-hmm. Commander Starblaze. Yeah, yeah, okay. That might be one of the worst names. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It's like, I, I understand. It, it sounds like something that should be in like Yu-Gi-Oh or I don't yeah. know Yu-Gi-Oh. Say, or maybe My Little Pony. Starblaze. I know. I, I make that comment and I stand by it, but I'm going to rewind a little bit and say it's almost definitely a translation. So it's like saying some ancient Chinese name in English. Right. It's like what? Yeah, in the original language, Commander Coffee Maker. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't line up at all. I'm sure in a Tao language, it's probably poetic and lyrical and flowing and inspiring and transfer, you know, to 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 Imperial English. And it's like Starblaze. What? Tobin Tobin has this right. This this is this is this is as bad a name as when LucasArts came up with that awful spin-off Star Wars game. I know I'm going to insult someone here, and I'm trying. Star Killer, based on that Force, whatever the heck it was. And I just read the thing and went. Uh, uh, what? So yeah, Starblaze. <laughs> awesome looking warlord, dreadful name. Um, the thing is, his ability is it's just one of those, it's hard to think about how that's going to be bad. As the, it deck were, you building, know? the deck oh. building and then drawing another, an, an Astro Militarum guy over and you, the fact that you can have staging grounds and ambush platforms <laughs> and ion <laughs> rifles in the same deck? Well, I'm just saying, You're like, are you kidding me? So like, oh, I'm just going to well, pop this range guy. Ast- oh, and I'm going to pop an iron exactly. rifle on him. Oh, oh. and I'm going to pop an iron rifle on him and he's going to hit you for seven. Well, now that's a hell of a yeah. ion rifle. Yeah, that's nice. What about gun drones? Gun drones. Yeah, gun yeah. drones too. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Platform like, yeah. them, but you still get the cost reduction, and it's gun drones. Yeah. Yeah. it's gun drones on a deck that has three viola marksmen and three rattling dead, dead eyes. Right. Yep. yep. For example, yep. so forget the forget the sting wings. Just take all the dirt cheap ranged. Um, Steel Legion Chimera. Yeah. Steel Legion Chimera in a tau yeah. deck. <laughs> just now, oh. and, 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 and of course. With staging grounds and all those things, people talking about, and I think one of his abilities is you can, one of his signature events, or maybe the support I can't remember which, uh, allows you to switch a yes. tau with an AM or an AM with a tau. AM with a tau. Juggle the okay. game, yeah. Mm-hmm. AM with a tau. So, I don't think it's a event. I think it's a support. It's a support that. you exhaust that. So, but the idea is like, oh, you can trigger an AM leading play, and everybody talks about the Engine Seer Augur, or people have mentioned Well, that, the Engine Seer Augur is loyal. loyal. Yeah, so that's not going to be in the deck. So you could, but you yeah, could have some really, some really interesting, some really interesting, that's a combo deck. Like, yeah, that's, oh, that's, and that's, deck that's waiting for John King to. to, to <laughs> I, love, I love me some yeah. combo. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking 
it's too bad you can't you can't orbital or you can't uh, ambush platform out the gun drones. But yeah, I mean the whole uh, go to range, exhaust the ranged Astra Militarum, and then when you're into the combat phase, pop the astro, the exhausted Astra Militarum back into your hand and bring down a you know the, a towel that's ready to rock and roll. It, right. It's just like right. the whole. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, you're, you're never gonna ha- you're never gonna have the same. It's like, gee, you you have three units there, but you might get five or six attacks around. Right, right Elysium right. assault team, Katan outpost. These yeah. are more. I mean, Elysium, uh, well, Katan outpost plus plus some iron rifles and or gun drones just makes me go. Ah, straight yeah, and away, the Elysium you know? assault team. I, I mean, the Tau have a lot of soldiers. Yeah, I mean, oh god, yeah, just why? And, and here it is. Yeah, here's the guy I was looking for. Sorry, the ardent auxiliaries. Um, reaction after this unit commits to a planet. If you control a um, Astra Militarum unit at this planet, ready this unit. Right, right, right. Two, right. two for two. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so it's going to be one of those, it's going to be in it. I think AM is going to be pretty heavy. I mean, it's not going to be like a fluttering of AM in a mm-hmm. Tau deck. It might be a 50-50 split or even better, even more. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to yeah. get some of the some of the Tau tri- or some of the AM tricks like Preemptive Barrage, but you will get um, Suppressive Fire. Yep. So yep. you can oh. exhaust. So you can exhaust a unit yep. to exhaust one of their units. Oh, no. And heck, you can use you can use holy fusillade, which is the uh, combat round giving uh, giving range giving another ranged attack. So, yeah. So you can have an a, if anybody survives the first range attack, if you have, I mean, I, I can't even imagine having several Viola marksmen and several several uh, rattling dead eyes and several gun drones with ion rifles. I mean, you know, how often do you get? To attack with three range people or four range people, and you might be doing this. Well, in AM, you get to do it all the time. <laughs> well, so, for, well but, yeah. for, but for a ridiculously low discount, with the possibility of buffing them between yeah. between, like you're saying, between Kalachan sudden buffs, between clear ones from gun drones and iron rifles, then add in the ability to staging ground, then add in the um, the ability to uh, Elysium when they finally kill one of the down things. You know, it's it's remarkable. Well, yeah, and I think I think oh. Rock Creek Bunker actually. Is not loyal, so because you you can have the, I've had that in Space Marine decks, the, the, damage the Blood ricochet Angel ricochet veterans, yeah. Right? So now, yeah. let's say you know before I was thinking, oh okay, yeah, all the range and everything. But I just thought I just thought of another aspect you can have in the deck. You can do the whole Steel Legion Chimera, Rock Creek Bunker, the Tau Warrior that requires him to be attacked first, or he's de- whenever any opponent unit opposing unit oh, declare army unit declares an attack. He's declared as a defender. The Fireblade, the Fire Warrior Elite. The bu- one Fire Warrior. The bunker Elite. is loyal. loyal. Okay, that makes uh, sense. But the Chimera is not still the Rock Creek bunker or the. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's true. But the but the Chimera is still the still right, right, yeah. it's a so unit that also does that. So well, you know. Yeah. So now uh, then you also have the the unique Tau unit that whenever you, the whenever a shield card's played. Oh, the Kazare, yeah, yeah, he, oh. he counts for an extra as long as yep. a, as long as a Tau unit, yep. Tau shield unit. But then again, you're probably taking Tau events, right? You're probably not taking much in the way of, of militarum. But all, the, all of a sudden, you, you've got a lot of you know because one of the things about the range units is they're squishy. They're going to die, right? They're one ones or <laughs> yeah. two ones, two two kind one of things. Yeah, um, and they're not they're not meant to last. But all of a sudden, you have something out there that is a one five with a Steel Legion Chimera. So when he's he has to be declared as attacker. You have to do more than one point of damage at a time, and you happen to have the guy there that, if if you do happen to lay down three or four points on, it's like okay, yeah, I'll shield for two. It counts as an extra, so that's three. It's like all of a sudden, 
you know, you might have a squad that goes along with your your commander that it's just like the whole entourage. Like, yeah. hey, and this guy's in the same pack as Broderick Corps, right? Broderick Corps. So, I know so and that's that, coming out in the Decree of Ruin. So it's those, the first one. Yeah, those yeah, are, those are both, both in the first one. Holy, I so, thought it was so, well along. Holy so it's, crap! Oof. No, no, no. no they, 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 it was you know they spoiled Broderick yeah. when they announced the first pack. And then they said, watch out for the new Tau ta- Warlord also included, and this is the oh, one. sorry, right? no, no interest yeah. in the Commissar anymore. It's the Tau ta- I know, and that's, that's exactly that. Cow. I was so excited. I'm, I'm still excited for Broderick War. And now you said Tau. And now I was like, wait a minute, I, I got Tau, so it's like, I just got to, great, I got to re- you know, take all my Astro Militarum apart and take it out of my orcs and take it out of the... Strategically, I think it's a good way to do things, because especially, and they didn't forecast this, obviously, but in retrospect, it works, because... They didn't. They had a dearth of stuff. They, then they have t- before Tyranids, right? So you have all these these first six slam in six months. Mm-hmm. Then they have a dearth for four and a half, five months. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a, four months. That yeah. was a longer than intended. Yeah, I'm absolutely, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but. they have that. They have that shortage, and then but then so now we're we got Tyranids, yay! But to have two warlords that are uh, one is a completely deck building. Mecca, like mm-hmm. he's, he offers yeah. this kind of deck building options, uh, a plethora of options in the in Starblaze, mm-hmm. and then Broader Core, who offers a whole different, I think, stri- not necessarily deck building, but well, the mechanic, strategic, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, right. He is, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a mechanically unusual yeah. Um, warlord. Yeah. So, so you get two for the quote unquote price of one there, right? Mm-hmm. And to sti- to really stimulate the deck building stuff and. Hopefully, you know, I we're sitting here on October thirtieth, and um, I, I was watching the pages this week uh, for Decree of Ruin to go ruin to go to shipping. Uh, hopefully, it'll go to shipping next week, and we'll see in a couple it's weeks. Decently likely. Be, yeah. I, you know, uh, hopefully those problems have been uh, the shipping problems, whatever they had, have been mitigated. I would add a little extra point on Starblaze as well that I had to look over all the stuff and kind of drool over the craziness before realizing um, uh, Starblaze is actually a lot cooler than he appears as well in terms of the setting. Because this is the Tau thing that no one else does, pretty much. That Tau and, Tau and Chaos share, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Which is the idea that the Tau go, hey, this alien race we've encountered, you're kind of cool. We have an awesome society and system. It's called the Greater Good. You should come join us. And they happily do so. These Astra Militarum are, again, I forget the term, but it overlaps with the, um, the Asian term of, like, Guaylo. It's, it's an outsider as part of your... Um, mm-hmm. Society, and the idea is that these guys have been like, yeah, come on in, come on, come in and join the greater good. These are ex Master Militarum who have joined the Tau Empire. Right. That's a really cool piece of theme. That Starblaze's deal. He's a guerrilla fighter. He's a mm-hmm. an underground underground resistance leader type. Mm-hmm. Goes in and, and raises these people up. That's really awesome. That's an awesome bit of a, a style for the setting. Hey, so. And that's and, and it's thematically ties into his mechanic where they want to be on his planet, so they'll exactly they'll so. move from you know he once he commits to a planet, you can pull an AM unit over there. And so that's kind of they want to be with their commander. Yay! Yeah, go into him. I'm yep. really a groupie. I yep. mean, that's a warlord groupie, right? Those are warlord. Yeah, groupies. exactly. Not the plus two attack oh, guys. Paul. Sorry, I just realized now I've, I've never really had an excuse properly, but this is now a good time for um for when I play down a, 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 a military time unit to have the greater good. <laughs> <laughs> the greater good. Shut it. <laughs> One um, of us. One so, of us. moving on. So, decree of ruin is coming. It will. Pro- there will probably be some some packs. One would hope that the world's attendees would get some early access to Decree of Ruin. Uh, worlds is as a week from today as we sit here. So conquest I think takes place on a Friday. Uh, so a week from today, those those folks will be sitting down to play some cards. 
Good uh, luck, everyone. What, what are what uh, I thought? Given Halloween and Worlds and kind of the confluence of things that happen in Nationals, we've talked about what you know what would be what would we would bring to Worlds. What what's our kind of a nightmare scenario for for the bar setting aside cheating? Let's set aside cheating, <laughs> right? That's that's just not a, that's, that would be the the worst, but. Uh, let's say, meta-wise, what's our nightmare scenario for for worlds? That nobody brings anything new. You know, the top eight is Kato, Kith, again, Ragnar a little bit. Yeah, not you know, yeah, not necessarily as the winner, but nothing, nothing making because you know num numbers are numbers, as it were, right, statistics right. statistics, but nothing hitting the top eight that's interesting or different since, yeah. since last year. Yeah, I think people were inspired by nationals. I mean, nationals. Mm -hmm. uh, the top eight Nasdaq made a top eight, I mm -hmm. think, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that was like, hey, look, Nasdaq made top eight. People were, were excited. Mm -hmm. um, no offense to Jeremy, but if Jeremy, you know, another nightmare if Jeremy wins yet again <laughs> with Kato. With, <laughs> you know, oh yeah, you're, you're an awesome player, oh, man. You oh, dominate a whole oh, lot of games, but oh. yeah, we got to get some other card designers in. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> we talked, we spoke to the head of him. You can't get away with that one, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, God, yeah. So if if Jer well, you know, Jeremy's a good player. If he if he earns it, he earns it. I, oh yeah, no, no. I I was listening to some other nowhere near his league. Looking at some so other, I can't um, make comments on him. Uh, looking at some other stuff online, I, I'll take the field over any one person, right? But yeah, I think my nightmare would be like if it's if it's kind of the same thing with, as last year, where more than half or more than half the top sixteen or, or one warlord, and that warlord is probably going to be Kith, if anybody. Statistics are statistics. Are people going to take Kith? My my nightmare scenario would be that, that, yeah, there's a lot of Kith players and maybe Kith wins within with a typical Kith deck, right? The Nationals, assuming that FFG awards the Nationals title to the number to the gentleman who didn't cheat in the final match, uh, he was playing a Kith 62 card deck. But uh, yeah, utterly bizarre. Right. No, so, no, yeah. no offense, man. I've so, re read your writer's money, but an utterly bizarre Kith deck. Yeah, so. but and and he's that. So yes, oh, it's Kith, but it's sixty-two cards. Yeah. So bully for him for taking that taking that yeah. risk and yeah. having it work for him. I mean, all the kudos to him for that. Those except you know if it's a prototypical or eight, uh, it's a if it's an atypical Kith deck, that's not a bad thing. That's not my nightmare scenario. But if it's a typical kit deck with one or two you know, variances on cards because they thought to include I don't know what, you know, uh, then, because I don't play a lot of kits, so I can't come up with any of that. Right, neither head. do I. But, wow, you know, th that would be kind of upsetting. Now, if, so that's kind of my nightmare scenario. Uh, what think, about you, Carl? I think I would go um, seven in the top eight being Urian Rakoff. So the, top, <laughs> the, so the top, so the top one is just going to win anyway. No, more seriously, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm so getting the knives Rackarth, in today. Actually, Urian Rackarth getting seven of the top eight would be miraculous. miraculous. <laughs> I was about to say, you know, a true nightmare would be like, you know, if you have one of those dreams where you're naked at the conquest tournament, right? You know, that's not John. John, tell us more. That's that's not a nightmare for me. It's a nightmare for everybody else. Tell us more, John. But anyway. Uh, you know, I, I'm naked as this podcast. You know, naked as we start this podcast. But <laughs> the no, it, it's kind of like you show up. You're like, wow, I've got this unusual deck, and you shuffle there, and you look down, and you just see this endless table of clones of Cato going. You know, 
ready to play, and you realize you're going to have nothing but, you know, 16, 32, this, this, this <laughs> concentric circle of hell where you're just playing the same, against the same Kato deck the whole time, like, no! somehow has four or five or six drop pot assaults in their deck, and wait, four or five wait. indomitables in their deck. Why do, you, why do you have two Tilesian blades? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, it's all signature squad, Kato. <laughs> of course, that is your nightmare. It's a man's opposite, sat opposite you with Kato, and it's, um, what is it, eight signature cards? So five times, yeah. six times, six times signature squad, signature cards is his deck. There you go. And a, you know, 48 signature cards and a couple of Void Pirates. Let's go! So, so, he's, so he's there playing Sakaris' Chosen and taking a unit and dealing a damage as it crosses the table. Pirate <laughs> <laughs> Blind Planet. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I'll play, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Enraged Dork at the first planet, Sakaris Chosen at the second. Moves to Enraged Dork over. Okay, Sakaris Chosen at the third moves the Rage over. At the fourth, at the fifth moves him over. It's like, wait, I've got a, I've now got a four one range um, dork at the fifth planet. Um, oh, well, how useless! What I should refer to as what I should refer to as the, veter- the, the veteran company conga line. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's, that's a fantastic actually, nightmare. Yeah, that'd be pretty. That was kind. Of, that was kind of like the whole three point five conga line of death. Everybody take a five foot step swing, five foot step swing, five foot step. Cool. But I mean, night, uh, so, night, night, actually, nightmares for, my, for myself to, to see happening there. In terms of what comes out of it, I think I'm with you guys. It would be the we, okay. It would be for me. We don't see any Tyranid. I think there's a strong deck in in Old One Eye. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> last last game we recorded where I was fortunate. I mean, I, I pulled all my signature cards, but doing so turned it into a cataclysmically nasty fight. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy can yeah. do even with a more more competent and, and steady player than myself. That deck can do some proper damage. So yeah, and Swarm you know. Lords, Swarm Lord, people have been playing with some Swarm Lord stuff, and reports are that there's a strong deck there. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I would like to be wrong, but I'm still not sold on them making even top 16. There might be a lot of people that play, and so maybe one or two will sneak in. But I, I don't think they're going to... I don't. I, I guess I should amend my, my statement to say I don't think they're going to hold to the breakdown of, like say, let's say, 20% of the field is... Is Tyranids? I don't think they're going to get twenty percent of top sixteen. I would, I would, I would hope not, honestly, with, with with any of any distribution. But I think Old One Eye has a really consistent deck. I mean, it's it's up that it's up there as a as a strong as a strong effect for you that you have to play around. I, you know, as you saw yourself, either either you assume he cannot do his awful tricks, or you have to have to play around those and 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 play more con- play a little more conservatively. Whether that leads to a, a good player taking him into the eight. So totally, totally down to it. But I would—that would be my 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 scenario. I, I would not want to see is not is is one of those not getting near the top. I think okay, it deserves it right, right now. Right. Well, yeah. and right. one of the things that's also being done is that, um, you know, they're gonna reward or honor top players of whatever, f- the top. Yeah, the top player for each faction. For each faction, which I think is awesome. Stuff. God, yeah, I'm not, I'm which, not which I think that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's happening would, with all their games. Net, well, I, it's happening with Netrunner. Uh, yeah, Netrunner, Game of Thrones, and Conquest. I know. I don't know if it applies to Star Wars, but the the top player of each of the factions is going to get something. So you're telling me I could take Apex and be the top Apex player there? Uh, I don't know that you're getting <laughs> the mini factions. factions. Sorry, yeah. Okay, that, that, that would be but awesome the, and hilarious. The seven factions, the eight, the seven factions from Netrunner and eight factions from. Okay, that would be hilariously fun. Which yeah. I, I think that is, I think that's phenomenal, and I would like to see. I don't think you could break it down to the local level. 
you know, because in, in a conquest, you may not get eight players in a conquest tournament yet. But but right, you see, need to I, have you need to have a critical be, mass of be, twenty plus people. Yeah, it'd be yeah. pretty cool to see that carry through at Gen Con and Nationals, maybe regionals. Statistics on that and recorded games at least would be something awesome. And certainly anything done by um, Fancy Flight before they mm -hmm. add in a full wizard style reporter system. That would be a cool thing to see anyway. I would rewind and say one of the first things I ran for Netrunner was an ID based league where basically the only thing we were scoring was uh, what what um, ID won what. Mm -hmm. And so you had you had the whole thing of if you played in the ID that was doing best, you got a shared prize between everyone. This is like, you know, based on a nice little pat on the back promo style deal. And then we then we also recorded regular wins per player. But we had a, a, a pretty darn cool board and yeah, we who'd, yeah. who'd been playing and winning what. I, I think for Conquest as a um, Games Workshop loves its um, its tactical campaign maps. Um, build a Traxxas Sector um, campaign campaign map. Easier thing to apply it. Tons of material for it. I've done. I, this used to be my job. I've done this, um, and do a whole. Here's all the various IDs. Um, this week we're fighting over such and such a planet. So who who wins this planet? Easily done. Really great fun to do. Yeah. Good idea for someone to do on that one. Yeah, I'll, have yeah, to, I'll have to think yeah. about it. We're picking up on conquest a bit here. So. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I mean, you know, people have joked about playing Cortez. To get to get to the Astro Militarum stuff, right? right. Or playing, uh, or playing a Nasdrag, or a, you know, whoever it might be, one of the seven. I still think Nasdrag's you know. got people. I think have Nasdrag's people got have proven legs. that Nasdrag's yeah. a tough. I think, down. I think Nasdrag's got legs. I think Nasdrag suffers, maybe even to some extent. I mean, heck, Cortez. I mean, I my Cortez deck has done really well. It's like surprisingly so. Maybe I'm playing in a very small meta, but wow, like mm -hmm. right. But I think some of the kind of what what are deemed the tier two warlords are suffering from the power that is Kith, so yeah. that people who want to would maybe prefer to play Nasdrag or prefer to play Astro Militarum, not Strachan. Strachan is still weak. Cotez, <coughs> or maybe they want to play uh, Shadow Sun, or maybe they want to play on Shi. They, they want to win a little bit more than they want to play those games. So they're willing right. to put up with playing Kith for a day and a half to, to get that Nationals, the shot of Nationals. And that's perfectly commendable. But So I think some of that is that you know you have a choice, and by having a choice of such a power that is Kith or Ragnar or Kato or whatever, one of those Tier 1s, the Tier 2s suffer, mm. right? I would mention as well, like particularly in the case of Nasdaq as Orcs and um, like Strachan as Astra Militarum, is both of those factions have a, have a problem of their good cards tend to immediately get subsumed into nearby powerful decks to make them yeah. more powerful. Zarathur and you know Ragnar or um, Kato, depending on what you're doing. Because right. you know Ragnar Astra Militarum is, is pretty darn horrifying. And obviously Zarathur is a powerhouse right now, taking Orc Cannon and Ammo Depot and things like that. Right. So you look at those cards and go, why play Orcs because of these? Oh, wait, they go in this powerful deck. Oh, okay, cool. Right. You know, we have the old... Um, Netrunner um, Anarch problem. No one played Anarch, but everyone took their cards yeah. because they were good cards. Right. You know. Right. And, and and I think some of the spoiled cards, some of the things that have been spoiled. Uh, First Planet podcast had some Astro or not Astro Military, some Space Marines cards. One of them was a soldier, a non-loyal soldier. Mm -hmm. That goes and, and and I'm always looking for soldiers because I want to be able to <laughs> use Strachan at one point, right? Mm -hmm. Some. Some guys at Total Escape, we were talking, were like, our goal is to make striking competitive. Like, we need to build a striking deck that, you know, seems to work. But 
You, you need more soldiers for that. You need more options. Right. Right? We need, we need, we, we choose to do this thing not because it's easy, Strachan. But you know, because it is hard. Yeah, that's what I'm going to Yep, I can, I can get behind that. You know. So, all right, cool. So, so those are some of our nightmares. No Tyranids. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd like, I'd showing like to up. See one. You know, no Tyranids doing well. Too many Kith doing well. And what was yours, John? Diversity. Yeah, that, lack that, of diversity. Yeah, okay. that's the same eight Kato decks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seven, seven in Rakoff. Telling you now. <laughs> so given the prevalence of kith i want to talk about this a little bit more this world's thing because i've really been thinking about it looking online a lot i think if you build a deck that beats kith that has a little flexibility for other things that's that's the way to go right i think and maybe we talked maybe we're going over old old property here that we've already seen old real estate that we talked about last night but if you build a deck that plays kith and zarathur can Mm-hmm. I, I guess I, given given the the effectiveness of Zarathur in Colorado, you know Steve mm-hmm. Steve's a good player. He plays Zarathur well. Zarathur, I, I played Zarathur well. Uh, I, I've gone back to him. I played him beginning. I played him to start with. I got away from him because I I think I got away from him because it was a negative experience from my opponents, right? Mm-hmm. So the guys that I was playing. Just like, okay, I can't beat this. So I got away from it because it wasn't any fun for me to play a game that wasn't fun for my other player. And now I've kind of gone back to him because I just... Like, well, wow, the skill level really of everybody powerful. else, I mean, yeah, everybody else ha- has ramped up. Yeah, you, yeah. you had a head start on yeah, all of yeah, us. Yeah. So the Zerath, I think Zerather can can show up. You know, I don't know about Kugath, but Zerather, Kugath takes a learned player who knows his deck and knows how to time things well. Mm-hmm. Zerather is... Less of a of a scalpel, more of a blood instrument that you can get a little subtle with, because yeah. you know it, the the idea is that you don't take and this is something that we talked about uh, a few weeks ago is that you have to be a little bit unconventional with where you commit Zarathur to, because sometimes he can be too predictable in terms of where you're sending him, so you have to be a little bit unpredictable. Just once, maybe on the second turn or. First or second turn, you be a little bit unpredictable in your commission of Zarathur so that they are completely, you know, they, you put your opponent off balance. But that may, I think that's the trick with him. Yeah. I mean, I would say there, there is a lot of strong in that, in that matchup. I mean, um, Kith has the, the Clavex War Leader, so he can come in and just um, nuke a nice big unit. There aren't a ton of big units in Zarathur, but there are critical ones that you don't want to get killed suddenly. Mm-hmm. You know, you never, mm-hmm. want to, you never want to lose a unit important, but there are crux units. Um, versus the fact that Zarifur can hand out the, the light damage that he's very good at killing off most Dark Elvar units because not particularly tough. It's 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 an interestingly strong matchup between the two of them. Um, Clavex is the key to Clavex is just keeping him with three resources, right? <laughs> and so that's something I think I, th- I think that's something that Chaos can do. Uh, they can they can push uh, for command, push to win command struggles. Yeah, well, and, and just not just just making it making it um, what do we call it? Making it uh, un Unefficient for Eldar to oppose command. I mean, the the signature unit, the Flamers, are a great little. Mm-hmm. I sit here as a command. You come on over. Cool, bang. Yeah, yeah. That's fine by me. Neither of us get it. I win that. I win that one anyway. You know, yeah. kind of thing as mm-hmm. it were. You've got the the Heretic Inventor, which is a wonderful, cheap and tough unit that can also run around the place and yep. cause problems. You know. Yep. And yeah. so you know, we did, we started these podcasts way back when we started doing how do you beat them segments. Mm-hmm. So I, I flash back to Kith and that the how do you beat them. Was deprive of resources? Yeah, chuck them out of the resources. Right? You can't you can't deprive Kato of resources, mm-hmm. and you really can't deprive K- uh, Kith of cards. 
-hmm. but if you can deprive them of resources, so, you know, Kato is deprived of of cards, Kith is deprived of resources. You've got a much better chance of winning command against Kith than you do do against, do than stopping Kato getting money. Right, because people die. Yeah, exactly. People die where Kato is. The game dies, the units die. I thought for a moment you were going to say we should do a where are they now, since we've been doing this so long. (laughs) 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 Goodbye, Zarephur, where where is he now? It might be a. It might now. It might be a fairly interesting thing to do. A, yeah, we revise. You know, revise, revisit the how do you beat him segment. We kind of went through, if not all the warlords, just about all the warlords. Yeah, we went through. All, well, we went through all the main ones, and yeah. we went through all the ones that we're seeing a lot of tournament play. And I think, hopefully, as things, if we see a rise of Broderick War, if we see a rise of Commander Star. Commander Starblaze, you know, it'd be great to, <laughs> you know, it'd, 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 be, it'd be great to sit there go, you know, do new segments of how do you beat him. It's like, because right now it's like, well, you don't really have to do a how do you beat old Zogwart. Yeah, play him. Yeah. Because you yeah. play against him because as soon as the opponent sits down with old Zogwart, like like good old John does, you're like, great, I got an no, 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 80% no, chance of no, winning this. No, the way to defeat old Zogwart is to wait for the top of the deck not to be an orc knob on <laughs> that freaking card. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my lord! Look at this thing. That, 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 that video's got more thumbs up from uh, from anybody than any other video. It was comedy. That video was comedy from end to end. Well, it was nice. great, but but that's that's the thing, though. You know, it's one of those. It's a it's a fun little trick, but that's not going to win me the game yeah. because totally. there's not enough. The way I have the deck built now, granted, I still have together, and I've done a couple different things. With it. Hopefully, we'll play it later. There's not enough constant damage. That's the idea behind that deck: is that I'm constantly yeah. doing, forcing you to do a whole bunch of indirect damage. To a whole bunch of units, no matter how many units you have or how many, yeah. I mean, you know, th- that's the idea. But that deck's not there yet because I don't think there's enough cards. Um, I mean, and that's 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 a very orky style of play. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you if you get into the miniatures game without going massively off track, um, every single orc unit is very easy. A marine unit is really simple. A marine unit has a small amount of dice and says get get higher than this very low number to hit things. Yay! The the, the orc has get all these dice. Roll only sixes to hit. <laughs> <laughs> so occasionally it's nothing. Occasionally it's like you rolled what? <laughs> you know, yeah, that is that is that is the orc sixes. method. Fifteen sixes. Let's you know, do this. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say for an orc unit, fifteen is a small amount of dice. We're talking about three. <laughs> Or four per guy kind of thing, just walls of them. But yeah, but um, 40k has long, long been the whole dice tower. Don't be ridiculous. Need a bucket. Wabum. <laughs> um, so revisiting our some of our lore questions uh, regarding our mat contest. So Carl, you chose. We talked about berries last week, which was, or last time, which was the second founding and the relationship. Um, with the, the, uh, the Templars Black Templars Black yeah. Templars right 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 yeah. so what are you going to do this week well now we have one from time. Sam via, via Facebook I think he's oh no one's via Twitter I was going to say they're all via Facebook they're not thank you Sam um, I have heard of a theory that states that the Emperor is actually the fifth Chaos God like all Chaos Gods he would desire power over his rivals in this theory the Primarchs were cast about by the other Chaos Gods as a deterrent we know the Emperor knew of Chaos before humanity but what if this what um but what if this was because of Chaos apologies um, perhaps his desire to conquer the stars was not about the destiny of humanity, but for his own desire for control, power, and the ultimate takeover of the Materium. What do you think about it? About this? So you guys can see my face here. Um, I'm going to be very polite here, Sam. This is a really old chestnut. This is a, this is like the oldest part of discussion about um, the Emperor and, and 40k, possibly. So, right. No, you can't say that. There's. I don't know about being a fifth chaos god, but given the fact that. When 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 some of this started coming out before before Sam's comment, thank you for that, Sam. Before Sam's comment, we 
I, I was reading the the God's Ghost stuff, and given the vitriol that seems to be in the Imperium towards the vitriol towards psychers, mm-hmm. I think it's really ironic that the most powerful psyker known to man is the Emperor himself, mm-hmm. right? Like. Without getting without getting into deep historical religious social commentary, which you kind of have to when you start touching on, touching on the Imperium, because it is really quite yeah, well yeah, well yeah, background yeah. written. I think that's the kind of thing they're going for is the idea that this highly religious society is here is this great deity, he is fantastic and powerful and lords over us. What you think you're trying to bit like him? You seem to have similar powers. Bang. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the that's the fascist yeah. part right in there, and it, it overlaps with an extreme version of that kind of religious fanaticism, you know. Um, on the on the subject of the Emperor is the fifth chaos god, like I say, this is an old conversation. This is a fantasy setting. Anything is possible. So not gonna t- I'm not going to turn around and say no, which is my initial response, having mm-hmm. known about this. That's just the way I've always looked at it whenever this question comes up. But I'm going to say why I don't think it's likely. That's what that's what matters to me right now. Right. So, what do we know about the chaos gods? They all embody some negative aspect of humanity. That's unanimous. Corn is bloodlust and rage and destruction. Um, uh, Slanesh's lust. Slanesh's lust is is, is, um, is un, un, unbidden lust and decadence. Yeah. It's over overindulgence of the biggest form. Uh, Nurgle, I was trying to think of Nurgle's name. Sorry, Nurgle is plague, pestilence is the human kind of the embodiment of the human ideal of um, unca- uncaring, spreading across the the world, passing mm-hmm. out disease and not and not worrying about the consequences. Is Nurgle's mm-hmm. kind of deal. He's corruption and rot. Um, Zinch obviously is our. Um, our predilection for overcomplicated plots and intrigue, and then the mutability of chaos—it's this changing strangeness. Okay, whoa, yep. whoa, whoa! So go back on Zinch here. What? Zinch. So a good way of looking at Zinch, Zinch has two major factors. I In, understand. Yeah. Slovenly decadence. Yeah. I understand <laughs> unbridled rage. Um, rage. Rage. Yeah. Z- Zinch is in two parts. To me, to me, as, as a chaos god, part of it is Zinch is the essence of the warp. It's changeability, it's mutation, it's um, mutability and modification. Okay. The flamers are odd, shape shifting, weird things. Uh, any any Zinchian sorcerer or, or thing like, or um, or um, possessed or anything like that, a demon, is a uh, unpredictable, randomly modifying thing. The other part of it for me is is in terms of a human emotion, Zinch is about intrigue. Zinch is that secretiveness. Zinch is this. There's an idea that there's always something more to discover and find, and that's an important secret I have to crave and keep to myself. The mm. the um, the the Slanesh demon, the Slanesh greater demon, gets referred to as the keeper of secrets. On that front, it's the it's the awful things that humanity would would like to partake in, and the lust and the decadent sides. This is more the idea of there are things men are not meant to know, kind of Zinch thing. And Zinch okay, is the person okay. who will offer these to you. Right. You know, Zinch's cultists are the are the most infiltrating infiltrationist kind of people, the ones that will quietly take over a planet without the planet ever realizing, until flamers and my the chaos storms right, and start right, popping right. up. So that's that's my Akin view. To how Erebus did to Horus. Yeah, yeah, Erebus, Erebus <laughs> in the right kind of realm. Yeah, Erebus is right in there. Yeah. So, looking at that, there we've got a couple of couple of standard things we can say about chaos. Each of them, each of them generally follow great deities that have this particular um, directed directed um, link to human psyche. Really, to not not just human, but mortal psyche, shall we say? The Eldar overlap, things like that. Um, from what we've seen of chaos, it's corrupting. It, it, it itself is a force that can get into someone's physical being into the soul if you want to go in those terms and change them from inside it can literally physically modify them through this through this odd arcane power um it's um it's almost always a destructive force we get an, a we get a sense from abner about 
um, the various worlds and things that build up, but they're ones that are generally ruled by a power when the people below are doing the building and the constructing. Okay. You know what I'm saying? No, it's 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 a it's a serfdom. There is some great awful leader overhead, which is the chaos gods or whoever the chaos gods proxy is, and below them will be a society that is running around going yes sir, no sir. We'll we'll make sure this works. You know, right? So you've right. got all those kind of things there. To me, the emperor doesn't line up with any of those things. He is a powerful individual. You could you could look at him as a as like a demon prince in terms of power level at the very least, if not being more powerful. He doesn't seem to have any of the corruptive infiltrated spread, as it were. He directly himself went out to try and build and absorb these things. Um, I would mention here's another good one for you. Chaos would be perfectly happy for everything to turn into chaos. Mm-hmm. The emperor isn't. Humans are it. Yeah. There's, yeah, no, there's, no, yeah, there's no absorbing orcs in. That might, be the, that might yeah. be the strongest argument. Yeah, there's no absorbing Eldar into the Imperium. It's they get out of my way and they die. Yeah. You know. So, basically, like I say, from my point of view, this is a really old question. Mm-hmm. No, again, no, no offense to Sam, this is a good one. I've, I've heard it pop up over and over again. I think there is an interesting basis to what you describe, but in general, I'd say, in my opinion, almost definitely not. And, and if they did, if, they, if Games Workshop did decide to, uh, you know, Turn over the table, turn the tables on us, as it were. Mm. Um, they would have to come up. They would have to come up with a, a very good explanation. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm again here as a law person. I'm not 100% sold on the on to me the sudden appearance of the webway linking the golden throne to Earth and all this kind of thing. I, I get the idea now, but because it, to me it came out of nowhere because I wasn't there for the build up through the law of a yeah. certain period. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not 100 sold on that. I'm like, okay, that works. I can live with that. It, it, it links the world together more strongly. This would be an even bigger like just yeah, what kind of yeah. kind of switch over? Well, that's you why know, I said you know the president is an alien. Us, right? Kind of yeah. kind of kind of yeah. like where did this come from? Well, you, you know, know and, and coming from the coming from someone who's just learning about the lore and everything, you know, I thought about your Siri thing. I thought about the theory, Sam, and because uh, uh, I, I had read that as well. And I, even as a new person to the lore, I'd have to say no. Um, reason reason being is because just from what I've read of Abnett, right? So you're looking at Warhammer 40k. The God Emperor's already been wounded. He's already on his throne. He's basically insensate and has been that way for ten thousand years. And the the Imperium has kind of, you know, descended into something that's uh, definitely, it's an oligarchy, uh, bureaucracy, it's stiff, uh, you know, if you don't fit in, you get killed kind of thing. But to some extent, it's stable. It is. Right, right. right. Which is is anti-chaos. Well, it's it's stable if you're within the center worlds, if you're, like, out on the fringes in the core world, if you're away from the core worlds. Maybe not right. so stable, right? Because yeah. you know they're the invading force. Yeah. But but now reading the Horus Heresy and and the Emperor is alive and vibrant. Um, you know he really is an embodiment of good. Mm-hmm. The, you you bring up a good point. The the Imperium at that point is a is a is a much stronger place than now. Yeah, and is and is this some honestly better developed society? It really is before before a lot of the awful things that happen and the the heresy and those changes. You're quite right. It's a, it's a good comparison. There is when the emperor is physically present amongst these people, the Imperium is much better off for it. It really is. Yeah, that's yeah. A it's, good, a you know, so, it's a great yeah. it's a greater good society. Yeah, or it's, it's not, in, not the yeah. greater it's good, but in, it's more so than the recent. Yes, we yes. don't talk shades of gray here. Well, yeah. well, you know, yeah. it really it seems to be kind of like an ideal. Maybe what people think of oh the way you know the golden days used to be kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was better and such and such which definitely not is not the case yeah but it may have been where you know all this there is this golden society going on yeah and then now ten thousand years later you 
people still have this ideal of no there's still this golden society but they don't realize no not really you know it's stagnant it's brutal it, it is uh, the, um, anachronistic the, the, the emperor the emperor trapped in his, in his throne slowly rotting away is always taken as a, um, a metaphor for the imperium right. which is a static once powerful slowly degrading thing yeah it's exactly a, a, and that's why I look at it now with getting yeah. into the lore it's like perfect uh perfect equation there and it's just kind of like oh the emperor rises again it's like no yeah. <laughs> at least I don't think yeah <laughs> um, okay cool cool yeah. I I uh, the one of the questions I've, I've had maybe maybe this is for another time is where in the hierarchy do we see our warlords in the game so we have war masters that are over various um, actions in, in oh, across the galaxy in the 40k setting and the in God's Ghost, there's a War Master, but he's one of a couple of War Masters that taking on a particular thing. But where are Warlords in the hierarchy? I mean, are they are they akin to Gaunt? Would Gaunt be a... Mm, okay, so... Or a little bit higher than Gaunt? Looking at the characters that are mentioned, first of all, race to race, it becomes a little more tricky. Right. Were, and we can, t- we can take a rough equivalent by taking a power level. Um, if we look at... Okay. I'm in the US, I'm not from here, so I'm going to get some of this stuff wrong. But if we take the American military structure... You have the president as the overall commander in chief, right? right? You have a set of chiefs of staff below mm-hmm. him, right? Below staff. those will be the generals who will generally look after an army or number of armies, right? Yes. Um, I would say most of these are in the rough in, roughly in the realm of a general, okay. in, in, in that structure. Where above them there would be um, the larger powers of their immediate military groups, then above them would be some sort of council that runs whatever okay. group they're from. Okay. Now, this is, that's very, very vague. I mean, um, Strachan almost definitely functions pretty much... He's a, he's a colonel, right, isn't he? Yeah. So Strachan is lower down in the chain, as it were, so he's going to be a smaller unit. Um, uh, if we go to Gaunt's Ghost again, he's... Well, he's, he's, a, he's, 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 a, he's a colonel... He's the same level as Gaunt. Yeah, he, yeah. he's a colonel commissar. Yeah, Gaunt at most he's going to be the same level commissar. as Gaunt. Um, if you go from there, you've got um, other variations. Captain Cato. Yeah. Cato is a different matter. We know exactly what Cato runs. Cato runs a company of marines. That's 100 space marines broken down right. into well, squads. That's... So, you know, I was thinking about I was thinking about that, too. And I realized um, and it kind of dovetails with the Horus Heresy in the Horus Heresy. Horus, who's the Primarch, has a group of four captains who are his morning ball. Mournable. Mournable. And each of those captains commands a company. And mm-hmm. so, <laughs> again, this is my ego talking to me. The player is the Primarch. Your warlord is one of your captains, you know, one of your close, one of your circle. He's a commander of your companies, and then something they, akin to the mournable. Yeah. Okay. Right, so, right, so, and then, yeah. and then yeah. you know your combat units. Those are your soldiers, your squads, your yeah. Yeah. you know, because we've talked about before. We're like tactical squad. Cardenas is not just one space marine. He, it's a tactical squad. That's ten space marines, mm-hmm. and you know, so their area effect one is just the amount of. Flipping firepower, they're able to let, lay down. Not the fact that they have have a, a you know big blast cannons. Well, they do have big blast cannons, but uh, you know that they're not doing planet wide destruction all at once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a warp storm. Kind yeah, of stuff. You, you you hit a fair point there. That, that's not a bad comparison to think about the player being that that level above, being the the joint chiefs metaphor yeah. and what I was referring to there. But like I say, it does. If you're going to have that discussion, and we'll do a longer version, it does vary from from. Um, race to race. I mean, Zarathur is a fun one. Zarathur is a, like a barbarian chief, mm-hmm. somewhere between a barbarian chief and lion, and kind of like almost an inquisitor for something like the not an inquisitor, an agent of like the old Roman Empire or something. Which is here, go get this group of guys, go get this done. 
there's no there's no real structure to most of the most of the chaos forces. So I first going to be a matter of like I'll get these demons, I'll I'll cobble together these marine these chaos marines, I'll go and do something. Um, He's a war chief. Kind yeah, of thing, yeah, he, not, not, yeah. He gathers his forces. Nasdrag is the proper barbarian, barbarian chief, the mm -hmm. old hordes, which is just he's going to have a stupendous amount of orcs just marauding around him the whole time, mm -hmm. no matter what's going on. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's it's a it's an invariance. But I think you're about right. Putting putting a player at the just just below the the level of the people in charge of whatever faction you're in, and and below you is the the warlord you're looking after. Yeah, that would be comparable. So December 11th starts or marks the first anniversary of the Tractor Warcast. John and I uh, started fiddling around with this in mid-November, so we're almost to that point. And then we kind of came up with some things and we posted our first uh, episode on December 11th. And so we would like to celebrate that anniversary with uh, you folks. So we'd like to hear about your favorite memories of the game, whether it was playing, talking smack, laughing, losing very, very badly, or losing in an amazing way. You can either send us a WAV file, a WAV file, an MP3 file of some of your memories, um, or you can send us a written account and we'll read it ourselves on the air. So if you're going to send us something written, uh, keep it to you know a few paragraphs. Uh, if you're going to send us something, um, a WAV file or a recording of yourself, that's perfectly fine. Please send it to us via our email at traxissectorwarcast at gmail.com. We do reserve the right to you know edit for time. Uh, but we'll surrender the floor to you. Tell us whatever you'd like to say about maybe your best memory of playing this game. If you have a uh, literal memory to share with us, then our resident astropath, John, will be happy to receive your <laughs> transmissions through the Immaterium. Yes, that's true. Yes, yes. So uh, if you just telepathically send it to John, or barring that effectiveness, send it to our Gmail account. <laughs> On that subject, I'd like to leave you with this thought. <laughs> Very Sorry. good. I agree. I agree, Carl. I agree. That, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I had to steal that joke. John, John does need to get dressed. <laughs> um, be sure and inc include your name, your location, uh, how long you've been playing, or anything else you'd like us to share on the air. Um, we will be sure and put those in here uh, in some format or another. We'll include them in an episode. Uh, yep. we, we look forward to hearing from you. We thank you very much for listening. We have a blast doing this. I hope it, uh, you can hear that in our voices, and uh, we hope to continue doing it for another year. Have we successfully filtered in all the relevant enthusiasm? Has that gone right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> into into, so, into yeah. our tones? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a tournament at Total Escape Games in Broomfield in two weeks, so November 14th, starting at about 5 p.m. We can see the Facebook page, specifically the Conquest Geek Lords page, that, which has become a de facto Conquest Colorado page. So if those of you who are in Colorado or near Colorado, you can check out the Geek Lords page uh, for details on that uh, Total Escape Games tournament. We, um, well, certainly at least I have the Extra Life Gaming Marathon coming up on November 7th. Um, I know I've mentioned this before. This is a video and tabletop gaming charity event. It goes to various children's hospitals. I want to say um, Children's Hospital of Colorado in our specific case. This is something you can donate to. You can come down to the Haunted Game Cafe in Fort Collins to take part. Can come and sponsor someone on our team page for Extra Life 2015. Um, I'll be here all day playing card games, including Conquest. I have a little deal going on that um, I will be playing nothing but card games. Is the plan? Um, come and play a game with me. I'll be taking note of any any name, the name of any person who plays a card game with me, and they're giving away one of our play mats to a random person there. Um, but yeah, even if you just come and donate to that, please do. It's an awesome cause. Okay. 
Again, we have a YouTube channel where we post videos of games we played in the area. And we have, we still have a chance to open, uh, win a playmat. So you may submit a lore question if you like. We have uh, probably another couple weeks before we record again. And then we'll announce the winner probably at our December 11th uh, first anniversary um, podcast. All right. Well, we hope to have one recorded on or about December 11th. It'll be our 20th episode. So two episodes from now is when we'll do all that. So get your memories in, get your lore questions in, and we'll get you some, hopefully some cool stuff and some airtime. Thanks to Haunted Game Cafe for the recording space for this podcast. If you would like to join the discussion, have ideas for future episodes, feedback, or questions for us, you can contact us at TraxisSectorWarcast at gmail.com, via our Facebook page or, or Twitter at TraxisSectorWC, or leave a comment in the episode's comment section. This episode was sponsored in part by Rocky Mountain PC. Thanks for listening. The Emperor, Emperor Protects. protects. I, 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 there's a few possibilities. I don't know whether it's going to be why I'm not wearing any pants isn't important. <laughs> well, I, along those lines, I was, I, was I, was think, I was thinking, if John shows up naked at a tournament, whose nightmare is it? <laughs> or That's a I, long episode title. Or if I'm, na- or, you know, if you're naked at a tournament, whose nightmare is it really? <laughs> <laughs>